Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And let's get it going. Look, I'm just trying to be all right with it, yeah. I'm just trying to be all right with it, yeah. I'm just trying to see the light in it. I think we should take a ride with it. I'm just trying to spend the night with it. Yeah. I just want to be all right with it. Yeah. Finally time for postseason basketball. The bubble, guys, I think was a pretty good success. I was satisfied with it for the most part. The Blazers and Grizzlies are locked in, and we can talk about the Grizzlies pick, how now the Celtics have three draft picks this year a little bit later on. But, Matt, I have a, a present especially for you. I got us a Sixers writer, so you can talk about Ben Simmons as much as you possibly want. Is that does that work for you? Why he's he's out, so I don't need to talk about him. Well, I mean, I think we're still gonna we still gotta talk about him no. in some capacity, Ty. Don't you think? <laughs> he's a non-factor this playoff, so we can kind of ignore him. Exactly. <gasps> all right. Well, well, all right. So maybe we'll maybe we'll, we'll see what Kai has to say. So this is Kai Carlin of Sixers Wire, uh, five out listeners. You guys know him from earlier in the season. I had him on when he was in Boston when teams were still playing in cities outside of Orlando. Uh, and he also has the Bell Ringer podcast. And actually, we're probably going to start there because, Kai, you had Anna Horford on. First of all, how you doing, brother? I'm good, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me back on again. It's always a lot of, of fun uh, hopping on with you. Always a pleasure. So how was it with uh, with Anna Horford? Because obviously we're familiar with her a little bit around here. She is a very interesting, well-spoken woman. She is a very opinionated woman. Uh, she, she questioned Brett Brown a little bit for benching Al Horford, but – I mean, at the same time, that is her brother. She's going to – that's family. That's blood. So I, I understand it. But all in all, she was actually like a really good guest to have on. Okay. So, Matt, now you tell me how you really feel about the idea of your sister talking smack about your boss, about you not getting the right amount of time or opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I would probably say that's not the best look. No, I would say not. <laughs> I mean, Ty, you were – it was Anna Horford versus Lou Merloni was before your time in Boston, right? Before my time, but I didn't know the basis of the story. Lou started calling uh, Al Horford Al, and Average Al took off nationwide. It became a slogan for Lou Maloney to carry. Um, but yeah, because Lou just didn't think that Al was more than just. He always thought he was more capable of doing more than he showed, and that's why he called him Average Al is because he didn't want him to be average. He wanted him to raise the bar, like when guys were out, he wouldn't do it. So anyway, right. Anna Horford. Heard that, and then it became Anna vs. Lou on Twitter, and uh, they, you know, throw some jabs at each other. So yeah, that, that's a something that, that we have here. See something else on Twitter, but Kai, I think she's learned that Boston's a little bit more pleasant than Philly now. Well, without a doubt, uh, she did express her displeasure with Philly fans. Uh, she said Philly fans are very ruthless people. She doesn't understand the booing. She doesn't understand what, what, why Philly fans boo their players. She believes that they should be all, you know, ride or die and, and things like that. However, 
uh, Philly fans have a saying. They have a motto, and it's called bullying works. They truly believe that bullying works. They truly believe that mm. bo- that booing their guys will get them to play better. And uh, it kind of has shown in home games, man. Like, uh, for example, they booed them last year in the playoffs against Brooklyn. I don't know if you guys remember. They lost game one at home to the Nets, and they booed, they booed them off the floor. And, and then the Sixers end up winning four straight. So they truly believe it works. Yeah, they definitely needed to be booed in order to beat the Brooklyn Nets last year. All Absolutely. those Philly championships, it shows. It works. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. right, right. <laughs> Matt, are you surpri- how do you feel about uh, – About no, booing God. people? Yeah. I, I, hey, listen, if they're not well, performing, you, did, I if they're not performing you, you boo them. I don't – what, I'm, I'm going to applaud someone that's making $125 million and underperforming? No. Well, because I, mean, I know you've been dealing with the Celtics, some of the people who are – like Celtics loyalists, I'd oh, say. It's it's bad. I think the Celtics fans are the worst when it comes to that. We think like, they're the you worst. Know, they're the worst when it comes to like like over loving their guys. You saw it like they, last, uh, two years ago, or th- maybe it was three years ago, when they were in the playoffs and Cleveland like gentlemen swept them. Marcus Smart hit that shot at the buzzer, but they should have got right. swept. The Celtics would chant, you know, they chant "Let's go Celtics" as they're getting beaten in game whatever it was five, and I'm like, see, I would not be chanting that. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, because you should be upset. Did they fail? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they got destroyed. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm probably not gonna boo them because they had no chance of winning that. But I'm not gonna be one of those people like, "Ooh, yay, let's go!" So you know, it's it's the same thing with the Gordon Hayward stuff and why I get mad with it. It's like, okay, well, are we just gonna like? Am I is, am I supposed to just get happy because he he's starting to perform better? Well, is he gonna do this when it really matters? And if he does, mm-hmm. then yeah, then I will I will congratulate him. But until he does that, what? Do, I don't care. You got to make sure you at him when you do that. Just, by the way, just like Ben Simmons when he shoots threes in practice and can make them. What are we supposed to applaud that? You can't do it in a game. Kai, how many times have you asked Elton Brand or or uh, Brett Brown about Ben Simmons and his three point shooting? Actually, I refuse to ask either of them. Uh, really? I refuse to ask Brett because Brett gives you the same answer. Uh, <laughs> it, it's so overblown. It's completely overblown. He does everything else at such elite level, which, to be fair, he does. So it's kind of like, all right, I get it. But he also needs to at least attempt some shots. So uh, I feel like we all kind of saw a little bit of progress from him in the scrimmage games. And then he just refused to shoot. He took one during the seat, during like the regular seating games. And then he got hurt. So it's kind of like, dude. Like what? Why do you? Why do Sixers fans like? I guess well, you like Ben Simmons. So why? What is there to like love about his game? Like or like what he? What you think he can be as a you know future? Like you know talking five years down the road. What is it? What is his ceiling to you? Five years down the road. I mean, again, I want to let everybody know. I'm like I'm not a Sixers fan per se. Like I, I do this okay. for a job. I do this for a job. Like I yep. don't care whether they win or lose. That that bank that bank. My bank account gets filled either way, whether they win or lose. <laughs> so I do not care. For me, in my unbiased opinion, Ben Simmons to me is already a top 15 player just because I feel like he, he literally does everything else at such an elite, elite level. Because defensively, uh, he's locked up with some of the top players in the game. I think like the only guy who actually actually like really struggled to like really contain Ironically, I think is Jason Tatum off the top of my head. He's really the only one who like wasn't able to really lock up. But everything else he does at such a great level. He rebounds. He distributes. He's got elite vision. He, he's actually getting to the free throw line a lot more. His free throw percentage has gone up. The only thing that is such a glaring, glaring weakness, and it's magnified because the NBA today is such, you know, it's all about yep. pace and space, is the fact that he won't shoot a jump shot. And that's going to really make or break his future, for me at least, because – uh, because like okay, Al Horford, Joel Embiid, um, their offensive rating without Ben Simmons on the floor is like 115. Like it actually, they've actually worked out pretty well with him off the floor. And we, I think we've seen it in these seeding games without Ben when he went out with the injury. The, like the Sixers' offense, I think Brad Stevens said it. They had like the number one offensive rating without Ben. And then, but then you take Horford off the floor and you focus on Ben and Joel, and Ben and Joel have an offensive rating of 115. So it's like you can't have the three of them on the floor together. So at that point, Brett Brown needs to kind of make a decision. Like, do we want to build around Joel and Al and keep that going? Or do we, I mean, we have to keep going with Joel and Ben, right? So it's like, there's a lot that kind of goes well, into I, it. 
Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think he has a choice now. It has to because how can they move that Horford contract? They wouldn't be able to. Yeah, don't they're not going to be able on. to. Yeah, they're not going to be able to. So they're and... really just—they're really going to have to choose between Joel and and Ben. They had because they both those dudes cannot play together. I, I I firmly believe that because you're wrong, and here's why. You why Ooh. why what have they For, done together? Three years ago, their first year together, the offensive rating was 116. Last year, their offensive rating was 114. This year, it dropped to 103. Gee, I wonder why. Because you 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 took away J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler and replaced it with Al Horford and Tobias Harris and Josh Richardson. Three guys who don't fit well on the floor next to Ben and Joel. A lot of it comes down to fit. Ben and Joel can play together. It's proven fact. They've done it. They've won 50-plus games twice last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, but what does that do in the their offensive, their, their offensive rating has been extremely high. Their defensive rating has been extremely high. It, and then it dropped this year because you took away the shooting and the spacing that they need to operate, and you tried to, like, bring back 2005 basketball in 2020. Like, if this was 2005, Al and Joel would, would make the Sixers immediately, like, you know, hats off. Clearly you guys are going to win a title because you guys have size, but in 2020, it doesn't work. So really I put a lot of, I put a lot of the blame on Elton brand because you, you shouldn't have let JJ walk. Letting JJ walk was a huge mistake. Uh, and then you gave Al Horford $109 million in 2020 when you already have an elite big man in Joel Embiid. So the reason why the Sixers struggled this year it's not because of Ben. It's not because of Joel. And I, honestly, I don't put too much blame on Al because I'm not going to I'm not going to turn down one hundred nine million dollars at all. I'm putting a lot of blame on Elton Brand for the decisions he made in the offseason and pretty much just shoved like a, a hosh posh of players to Brett Brown and said, OK, Brett, make it work in 2020 when this roster is built for 15 years ago, like not for today's game. It's, a, it's not a good roster. It really isn't. It's built for Elton Brand's era is what it is. Exactly, Ty. It's built for Elton Brand's era. Like, if this was 2005, man, I would be sitting here like, oh, yeah, Sixers are winning a title. But it's 2020. It don't work that way anymore. So how do you explain how great they were at home and they were absolute dog shit on the road? Like, they were two completely different teams. And how do you see that portraying now to the bubble? Obviously, without Ben, it completely changes the game. But how do you explain just the complete discrepancies between home and away for this year's Sixers team? I put a lot of that tie on chemistry. And I'm going to explain it in a way like this. Like, I I traveled on the road this year with them. I went to both games in Boston. I went to both games in Miami. I went out to L.A. this year. Uh, I went to Orlando and then Brooklyn and New York. So just to kind of, like, get an idea of what this team is like at home, and what they're like on the road. And I remember they went, they had to play the Heat in Miami the day after the Super Bowl was down there. I'm pretty sure everybody saw the pictures on social media of them hanging out at um, Sun Life Stadium or whatever the fuck that stadium is called now because, I mean, they, they, they change that stadium's name every year. <laughs> but it, but it's like, like the way, the way I see it is I, I feel like they don't talk as much on the road, uh, and that's what you really need when you're, having to go against not only a team, but also 25 to 30,000 screaming fans at you. So it's one of those things to me where it's like on the road, their defense didn't have the same sting as it did at home. And their play didn't have the same sting because these guys did not communicate and kind of huddle together and talk. And, and Tobias Harris did admit, he was like, Hey, on, on first take, he was like, we didn't have the same chemistry that, you know, we had in years past or, or, or excuse me, last year, because we just, we was a new team and then the pandemic hit and then everything else is kind of rolled into one. And we really weren't able to build the chemistry that we expected to really build. And I feel like that's a huge thing of our road success. You have to have it. So you mentioned the communication issues and obviously one of their star guys with Ben being out, do you give the Sixers any chance to you know, win a game or two, or is it going to be a Boston sweep? Because I think up here in Boston, people are kind of expecting four or five games. They're going to take it no problem. I'm going to, I'm going to say it like this. Uh, last time I was on your podcast, I was talking to my man, Nick, and mm-hmm. and Nick was even on my podcast, and we and we talked about Sixers Celtics. And I had Philly winning originally, and it was only because of what Ben Simmons does defensively. And the fact that Josh Richardson and Matisse Thybulle have actually bothered Kemba Walker. The numbers say they, they, they have absolutely bothered Kemba Walker 
on offense and also Jalen Brown as well. And also I felt like between Joel and Al, Boston didn't have the bigs to match up with those two over a seven game series. However, without Ben and the fact that Brett Brown has had to change so many different things and it has been so hard to build chemistry that way. And but Boston having so many explosive wings, the firepower they have between Tatum, Brown, Walker, Hayward, um, Daniel Tyson, Ennis Kanter are good offensive players. Marcus Smart will randomly have a 30-point game out of nowhere. So it's like that's that's kind of how Boston operates. And I honestly do not think at this point in time Philly had Philly can keep up with that. I feel like Joel and Al will still be an issue for the Celtics down low just because I don't believe Tyson Cantor will are the same type of defenders. Right. Um, but Boston's going to be really tough. I think Philly will maybe will get a game at least maybe two, and my prediction is the Celtics and six right now. Celtics and six right now. I think that's fair. You're, you're forgetting about the clock blocker, though, Time Lord. He's going to be he's gonna be in that game, too. I don't know how much we're going to see of Cantor. We've been talking about that for a stop, while. Stop, stop. I, I, what is it with you guys and Robert Williams? So somebody please sell me on Robert Williams, somebody. Well, Ty's not going to because he's more of a Cantor guy than Robert Williams guy. Right. Well, the way he's looked right now, he's been, he's been helping you protect the rim, and he's been an alley-oop option every single time down the floor, at least for Smart. I know Kemba was looking for it a little bit, too. So he's he looks like the guy we expected him to be at the beginning of the year. At least some people hoped he would be. I thought that he had a chance to be. So you know what it is? I think NBA fans in general just love dunkers and lob guys that can catch. You know, Celtics have guys who could throw lobs all day, but no one who can catch it until Robert Williams got on the court. And like Robert Williams is the guy who Marcus Smart can just throw three or four lobs to get easy ass points. He can go five for five from the game, and it looks like oh my god, Robert Williams revelation. He shot 100% from the field. He's incredible. <laughs> That's what it is. And the dunk, and it's like, wow, he's awesome. Where in reality, he's a great athlete who's like super raw. Yeah, yes, he has a lot of raw talent. But I mean, man, that's not the only reason why we like Time Ward right now, right? And the oh, I, I don't like, I don't like, uh, what's his face? I got Cantor. I think he stinks. So I like, I like Daniel Tice, and that's, I would go with, like Kai said, that's the Sixers' advantage. If the Sixers are going to win more than two games in the series because they're going to just pound the Celtics down low with Embiid. Yeah, but, like like I've already said, my problem with Embiid is Embiid is soft. Because if Embiid was tough, he would literally impose his will on the Celtics the whole series. But he won't. He'll start shooting jumpers. He'll do fadeaways. He can't do that. He's got to impose his will if they want to have a chance. But he's soft. The way I see it with that is um... – you did see a different Joel inside this bubble. He didn't exactly settle for too many jump shots. He attacked. He had a different mindset. But Matt does bring up a good point. There are too many times when Joel will fade away on a jump shot. He'll settle for too many threes. Matt, you're absolutely correct on that assessment. Well, what I'm going to what I'm going to say is, though, so far inside this bubble, there have been two things that have stood out to me about Joel. And it's the fact that he's been able to, one, pass out of double teams a lot better than he has in the past. Uh, and two, he made quicker decisions in the post attacking immediately, just grabbing one dribble, go up, immediately grab it, spin, move, attack. He did that a couple times. However, he had issues with that against the Toronto Raptors. And it's like, and like the Celtics and the Raptors, you know, like those two are kind of like the top, along with the Bucks, the top teams that are going to contend for uh, an Eastern Conference title this year. So if to Matt's point, the only way the Sixers are going to really put their stamp on this series and win a couple of games is going to have to be Embiid dominating in the post and really just kind of like just going to work like that. You can't he can't settle for a fadeaway jumper and he can maybe take one three a game because he has to be able to attack. I was well, I was going to say until you brought up the Raptors point. Obviously, you you watch the Sixers way more than I do, but I did watch that game against the Raptors. Um, I don't think Ibaka played, but Gasol was covering him. And the first the first time he got the ball on the post, I mean, he scored easily. But Gasol, Gasol, Gasol was playing physical with him. The next three times he got the ball on the post, he shot a fadeaway jump shot. Why? I, I, I It's like mind-blowing to me. You just scored pretty damn easy going to your right. Like it was like a little jump hook, boom, right to the rim. Do it again. Why not? <laughs> nope, it's two, two fadeaways. It's like, and he misses them. And I'm like, what? like you got to impose your well. And I think Draymond Green 
said it the best about Embiid. If he wanted to, if he wanted to, he would dominate this league like no other. If he wanted to, but I don't think it's just not who he is. There have been so many times where his, I guess, aggressiveness and his will to take over has come into question, not not just by media and fans, but even by coaches and. And, and Brett Brown, I feel like he won't say it to the media because, you know, he's not going to throw his guy under the bus. But I feel like Brett knows it, too. Like, hey, man, like you have got to get in the post and you have got to go to work. The issue with that is, though, in terms of uh, his post of numbers, there's because Ben refuses to shoot. There are so many times where he's had to have find a different way to space the floor. So which is why he's had Al taking like five threes a game this year and why he's got Joel taking two or three threes a game because he's got to find somebody to shoot and space the floor. Uh, I think Tobias Harris takes like six threes a game. The good thing about Tobias is after struggling as much as he did in the beginning of the season, Harris actually picked it up and now he's actually shooting a pretty respectable percentage from deep. And then Josh Richardson, Richardson is a capable three-point shooter. He shot, I think, 35 for 36% from deep in his four years with Miami. And then this year, it's up to it's down to 32% because, again, oh, you're asking – numbers. Yeah, because you're asking Josh Richardson to take four or five threes a game when with Miami, I think he took like three. So it's just, it's like – it's just really – it's all these guys have to adjust their game because Ben won't shoot. And that's why Shake Milton is now in the starting lineup. So uh, this is just a weird team to really look at. Bruce Bowen light, right? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's what Brett Brown says about him, guys. Uh, one last question on Embiid. There's a common narrative around him that he is a lazy player. We were just talking about his on-court like, actions as in like, his shot selection, which I can see like, that being a reason why people call him lazy, but – do you, do you hear of anything of him like off the court of him not working hard of his work ethic uh, being in question? Like where does this lazy narrative come from? Is it just the on-court stuff or do you hear the off the court stuff as well? It's mainly on-court stuff. I mean, Joel off the floor is literally a, uh, I, I don't want to use the word recluse, but Joel even admitted, he was like, dude, I come, I put in work, I go home. And I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriend and play video games. Like, like that's what that's who Joel is. Uh, I mean, there were a couple times during the pandemic. Uh, once NBA teams were allowed to, you know, reopen the facilities, there were videos and um, pictures of Joel going to the facility in Camden and putting in some work. Uh, and then not just like um, not just for like the hour. I think they that they were allotted. Like he would go for the hour, allow another guy to come back, and he would stay like in the area. And then after they leave, he would go back in and work. But Joel, as a as a guy, um, as we all know, he's very emotional. Um, and I think he's and he said it on JJ Reddick's podcast. He actually was upset with the organization for letting JJ and Jimmy go. Uh, he 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 did really understand the moves. Uh, he said. I think the quote was off the top of my head and I'm paraphrasing. This isn't like a direct quote, but he said something along the lines of basketball wasn't the same for me. Uh, I just kind of like shrugged my shoulders. I'm going to go do my work and then I'm going to go home. Like it, it just, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, um, like a passion for him anymore. And I think we all saw that during the season, Joel didn't exactly have the same type of look at me, look at me. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to go talk trash to everybody type of, you know, attitude that we have been going accustomed to seeing from him um he basically had to like find that again because he really was so close with with jimmy and when jimmy left and the sixers really didn't do anything about like really keeping him here and the same goes for jj he really didn't want jj leaving either because he knows how important jj shooting was to this team and it's it's something that like really kind of messed with him. And I don't know if that maybe he didn't work as hard because of that. But, you know, who knows at this point? So what were they expecting that letting J.J. and Jimmy go to expect guys like, you know, Korkmaz and other bench guys to improve in year two, three and four for them or what? What was the expectation? Well, J.J. said it on, I think not his podcast. I think he hopped on um, the athletics podcast. And JJ basically said in his exit interview last year with Elton Brand, it wasn't like Elton came out and said, yo, we don't want you get out of here. It was JJ got the impression that the Sixers wanted to get bigger because they wanted to take on Giannis. 
which makes a lot of sense because in, in this Eastern Conference right now, I mean, you're going to have to go through Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. That's just kind of how it is. So JJ respected that, and he he like he basically knew he was going to sign with the Pelicans like a week before free agency, like he even started. Mm-hmm. So with the Sixers and their plan, it was like all of it was about bully ball. I don't know if you guys heard Brett Brown say that in the past. He wanted the Sixers to really bully people. He wanted the Sixers to really like play a different style of ball. Yeah. But again, that doesn't work in 2020. That would work in 2005. It's yeah, but you'd also need to get era. some bullies. You need some bullies if you're actually going to play bully. They don't got any bullies on that team. The point is, though, the when he says quote-unquote bully ball, it's like, Joel and Al being as big as they are, Ben Simmons being as big and as fast and as strong as he is, that they were going to live in the paint. But again, and like like in twenty twenty, no, Ben Simmons does. I mean, Ben Simmons is well, like one ben of the top does. scorers but, but, in the paint. And, and, and I guess Embiid does to a point, but like you're not po- Al Horford doesn't dominate in the post. Embiid could, but he doesn't want to. And I mean, Ben Simmons like gets to the paint, but he doesn't post up. I think my problem is with with that take. What you said about management is, I think that thinking is all wrong. And I think this is where basketball is kind of like screwed up. When it like when Golden State was Golden State, I felt like everybody was trying to be like Golden State to try to beat them. When at that time you you're not finding another Curry, Clay, and Kevin Durant on the same team. That's not, just because that's how they play. Just because Giannis dominates the way he does. Doesn't mean you have to then change alter your whole team. Well, this is a copycat that. league. This is a copycat league. Yeah, and I just think it's crazy. I, that doesn't make you as good as the Bucks to get bigger. You have Ben Simmons. If you if you believe in Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons guard Giannis. There you go. You don't need to surround get, him with shooters, and they didn't. You know, no. That's that's how you beat the Bucks. You spread them out. You got to hit threes. You can't go down and bully in the paint. They are big. But you can you can counter that with something else. I think that thinking. But you're right. It is a copycat league. Clearly, because this is what everybody's been doing. But I just think if you don't have, if, there's no other Giannis's. There's no like, there's no uh, splash, bro. Like you can't just copy someone. You got to find what works for you. And obviously, the Sixers, like in the playoffs last year, were one game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. So I don't understand the thinking of like, oh, we got to get bigger. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. That was kind of the idea. I mean, I agree. I, I thought. I thought for sure they should have brought JJ back and they should have brought Jimmy back. I've been saying that for the past, I don't know, five months. Like, like just, it was clear that like you, you need JJ Redick. You need somebody who's going to space the floor. But now to what Ty was saying, I mean, Furkan Korkmaz has taken a huge jump. I think he's shooting 40, 40% from deep. Like, okay, cool. That's great. But, and then shake Milton, uh, I think over the final, I think it was 20 games heading into the league suspension. He shot 51.2% from deep. It was something astronomical like that. So they decided like, you know what? We're going to throw Shake Milton in the starting lineup. We're going to move Al to the bench. We're going to move Ben to the four and we're going to do it this way. So Shake struggles his first game. They lose that game to Indiana. Since then, Shake has been good. I will give him that. Shake has been pretty good inside the bubble outside the game against Indiana. But are are you really going to rely on Shake Milton against Kemba Walker or Jalen Brown? Or let's just say by some miracle, by some miracle, the Sixers get past Boston and they have to go face Toronto. Are you going to rely on Shake Milton against Kyle Lowry? Are you, you know, are you going to rely on him against OG Ananobi and Stanley Johnson and like the rest of, um, of those Toronto, yeah. Fred Van Bleet, those physical Toronto experienced guards and like Shake Milton is 23. He's in his second year in the league at SMU. He was the 56th pick of the draft two years ago. It's a good story. Shake is a good player. I think he's a rotation player. But I just I really think that it was a little bit of a uh, of a of a desperation move by Brett Brown to really put Shake Milton into this lineup. And then you also have to rely on Furkan Korkmaz a bit more. You got to rely on Alec Burks a lot more and Glenn Robinson the third, who is dealing with this hip pointer injury that he's suffered since the second scrimmage game. I don't know. This team is like a little – they are the weirdest team in the league. And, I, again, I put a lot of blame on Elton Brand. I do. Like, you know, you, you don't just make the moves you made. So uh, you brought up the SMU. I made me think of the fact that Semi Ojale is from there as well, and he has not been the story that the Celtics wanted him to be. Uh, but Ty actually mentioned something to me about as we were getting ready for this the best because we've been doing talking about it with the Raptors and the Celtics as we've kind of looked past the Sixers to some extent, especially with Ben Simmons now hurt because the Celtics are going to be without Gordon Hayward in that series. 
when you look at this series, and this is for everybody, not just Kai, when you guys look at this series for like the top five players between the two teams, I guess, Kai, we can start with you. Where, who do you rank as the top five guys between the Celtics and the Sixers um, all around? Top five guys. I'll, I'll say, and this is no particular order. I'm just going to come up with five guys off the top of my head. Okay. Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, uh, Kemba Walker, uh, Jalen Brown, who I love. I love Jalen Brown. That kid is going to be that kid's going to be an all star for a long time. Um, and you know what? And you know what? I'm going to throw Tobias Harris in there. Yes, Tobias Harris. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, Gordon Hayward. Matt, yes. Where Matt? Where are you going? No, I, I, I think he he said my five. Those would be in my top five, no particular, no order. But I, I so think who would be your, nailed that. Matt, who would be your number one pick out of those I, five? I listen. If Embiid played the way I wanted him to play, he'd be number one. But he doesn't, so I'm going to take Tatum. Tatum, I think, is the best player in the series. Two is Embiid. Uh, three is Jalen Brown. No, uh, well, is, is Kemba healthy? Are we saying Kemba's completely healthy? No man, yeah. he's he's been lifted. Uh, then I I probably uh, that one's it's a toss up. I think uh, Tobias is five, and then Kemba or Jalen Brown's three four. Ty, what about you? Embiid one, Tatum two, Jalen three, Tobias four, Kemba five. Wow, Yikes, you hate Kemba, Kemba bro. Five. <laughs> I'm surprised you're not trying to find out. So now if you were making your top five, we're using Kai's top five here. Are you putting Gordon Hayward in there, Ty, or no? No, I, I mean, I thought he was going to name Ben Simmons. If we threw Ben in there, I think Ben might be three or four on that list. Yeah, if, if, if we're going to count Ben, I didn't count him because he's out yeah. for this series. Right, right. yeah, but, but, I mean, like if we're no. counting Ben, then yeah, then yeah, Ben's in my top five too, and instead of Tobias. Okay, he's not, Matt. He's not in your top five, right? Oh, you would agree with that? Yeah, Benson would be top five. He would be five, but nothing higher than that. (laughs) There it is. Okay, there it is. That's right. Okay, that makes more sense. That's why. Would you rather have Ben Simmons or Jalen Brown going forward? Oh, I love both players. I mean, again, I'm I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to pick Ben again. I I have to just because I truly believe that this kid can can do it all except a jump shot. I mean, he does literally everything else at such an elite level. I mean, he's this. I have him in my top 15, like like players in the game. Is yeah. Tatum in your top 15? Sim, Sim, yeah, Simmons I, I have. I, yes, yeah, Tatum, Tatum is in my top 15. I probably got Tatum closer to the top 10 right now just because Tatum has really um, – I think Tatum has really taken off. I feel like he's really becoming – I think – and Al Horford actually mentioned it to us the other day. He said, I've never seen a player – a young player develop as quickly as Jason Tatum has. And, okay. you know, I have to, I have to agree with him. He's been absolutely terrific. Which is wild about that. Everyone talks about Tatum, like taking a huge leap this year. The exact same leap has happened by Jalen Brown. Like statistically, no, Jay, I he's think, exact growth. Like he's I been think awesome. Jay, I think Jalen Brown has improved more this year than Tatum. Like from yeah. where Brown was at last year. Tatum's right. gotten better. I, don't get me wrong. I expected Tatum, that out of Tatum. Tatum. Yeah, Tatum. Tatum has the potential to be a top five player in the league. I don't think Jalen Brown has that potential, but Jalen Brown has made a huge jump. I think. Yeah. Did you hear Kendrick Perkins posting last weekend? He's like, I think uh, Kendrick Perkins. Jalen Brown's the best <laughs> all around shooting guard in the NBA. Best all around shooting. Who guard said that? The, uh, Kendrick Perkins. Who? Perk. Yeah. Said that yeah. about Jalen Brown. Yes, so like, he's the best. People forget Clay Thompson still alive. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, play play James Harden. Oh, I, Matt, play. Really deal. <laughs> I think I Matt, you're taking too. Jalen I Brown. I can't stand Kendrick Perkins. I I think you're yeah, in the majority. He's been, he's been rough. Yeah, he's been the, rough. The quarantine pandemic has not been kind to him. When it comes to his basketball takes, he has definitely said some stuff. I mean, I know he generally pisses a lot of people off, but he's gone, um, he's gone real deep, I guess I would say, in the, during the pandemic. But do we got any more, uh, Matt? Do you have anything else for Kai? I know Ty's good. No, I, th- I think that's yeah. We talked about a lot of good stuff. 
Okay, so Kai, let me send you off on this then before you before you get going because I know you got uh, Sixers media availability and everything. With um, so you, you're picking the Celtics in six in this series, correct? I okay. Am. So then we have uh, overall, you know, who's winning the conference, who's winning the title and everything in Western Conference, of course, too. Have you made those picks yet? Have you decided on where you stand? Do you have a little bit of time technically before you have to? I'm rolling with the Clippers and the Raptors. Wow. And then okay. I've got and then I've got um, the Clippers, you know, winning the title this year. Okay. I feel like I feel like I feel like the Clippers have too much depth. Uh, you got Kawhi Leonard, who Kawhi Leonard is, a, you know, we all know him. He's a robot. Paul George is a very good complimentary piece to Kawhi Leonard. And then you look at the pieces around them. Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Landry Shamit, Pat Beverly, Reggie Jackson, uh, if, uh, Zubas. Like, just I feel like the Clippers are just absolutely deep as hell. And as much as I love LeBron James and I love Anthony Davis and the Lakers, I just I just feel like the Clippers are just going to be too much for them to handle in a seven game series. And then out east, everybody sleeps. Everybody sleeps on Toronto. Everybody sleeps on Toronto just because they lost Kawhi Leonard. Meanwhile, the Raptors continue to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Fred Van Vliet has taken his game to another level. Pascal Siakam's taking his game to another level. Kyle Lowry's always solid, although although we all know his playoff numbers. You know they're always up and down. I know, but then Marcus Mark. Marcus all and everybody else. I love Toronto. I really do. I think I think Toronto's gonna get out of the East again this year. I think based on what we've seen in the bubble, it's not a crazy take to be picking the, uh, the Raptors anymore necessarily at all. But Kai, I appreciate it very much. You can find Kai's writing on Sixers Wire, of course, from USA Today. You can listen to his podcast. It's on iTunes, just like us, um, and I'm sure everywhere else. The Bell Ringer podcast, and you can, of course follow Kai on Twitter at Kai underscore Carlin. Dude, really appreciate the time as always. Nick, thank you so much for having me on, brother. And then uh, we'll, we'll have we'll have you on the bell ringer at some point this week to talk about Sixers Celtics as well. Sounds like a plan. We'll talk to you soon, dude. Thanks for having me Love on, guys. Man. Have a good one. Thanks, man. So now we have Kai's picks. We got to make ours before we get to Ty's victory lap, celebrating of the holidays, whatever the hell you want to call it. So, Matt, why don't you start us off? Who are you taking in Celtics Sixers? How many games? And then I need your Eastern Conference champ, your Western Conference champ, and then your finals champ. I mean, I'll go Celtics in six too. I don't. I it's either five or six. Flip a coin. Okay. Uh, my Western Conference champs. It's the Clips. I don't even think it's close. Okay. Um, my Eastern Conference champ. I I really honestly, I, I think whoever wins the Toronto Celtics series is gonna win. Is gonna make it to the final. So I haven't. I guess I'm sitting on the fence on that one. I I don't know. Okay. That's I'm a fair. What's it's that's understandable. And then the finals winner. That's Clippers. I don't think I don't think anybody has enough weapons to beat the Clippers in a seven game series. It's okay. Too much. I really want that to happen just so we can see what that parade looks like in L.A. Is it going to be like? Is no one going to be there? Because I think there's a distinct possibility there's that no, happens. There's no way they even have a parade. Oh, so they lucked out. This is the perfect year to not want to have a parade because if the Clippers no, win I'm it, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, L.A. L.A. I saw something on L.A. Like the governor said. If you're having parties or whatever and they find out, they'll shut off your water and power and stuff like that. It's like some crazy crap. So there's no way they'd have a parade. Did not know that. All right, Ty, where do you stand on all this? Uh, Western Conference. I'm going to go with the Lakers. I know they're kind of not really being uh, picked too often because of their struggles in the bubble, but I'm not really putting too much stock in the results. So I'm going to go with the Lakers, who are supposed to get Rondo back. Rondo's returning the bubble. He's quarantining. So okay. if they get Rondo back, that's good. They're missing Avery Bradley, who won't be returning at all. I'm going to go with the Lakers in the West. In the East, I'm still going to go with the Bucks. Um, I do think Toronto, like Kai said, I think uh, Toronto is going to be a team that's, that people are sleeping on. But I still think that um, – I think the Bucks still win the East. And I hate to say it, but I think the Bucks win it all. Wow. Okay. No way. Wow. I'm, I, don't think any, I think nobody can stop Giannis. And if he, like, if he gets his head on straight, like, you know, Embiid does and stops just shooting three pointers, because he can't, he can barely get enough arc on the shot to get it inside, like above the rim. So just mm-hmm. stop shooting jumpers and just go to the rim and get fouled every time. He's like Harden. He can go to the rim and get fouled every time and get easy free throws and put teams in foul trouble. So 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Bucks over the Lakers to win the NBA title. And before I give my picks, who do you have? Uh, what's the amount of games the Celtics are going to win the Sixers series? I'm going to go Celtics over the Sixers in five. Five. Okay. I'm going with the season five as well. I just, I mean, I honestly, the only reason I wouldn't be stunned that if it happens in four is, um, is the refs. That's the only reason. And I think that's an important factor in all this where ties bucks take isn't that far fetched. No, it's not crazy. They want you honestly. Exactly. But I'm going, I'm going to go with five. Uh, Cause I think that the, the NBA wants to get extra games and make the money revenue, all that crap. I'm picking the Clippers as well for all this the, for the up and down they've had. And obviously Trez, you know, coming back and is he going to be ready right away or how's he going to look, I guess, necessarily. Um, I still think that we've seen it with Kawhi. He can turn it on. He, he's one of those talents that he can just flip a switch and he's good to go. And I think they have enough talent where they will be able to follow him and get to the finals. I am going to pick the Bucks as well. I think, Matt, you're, you're – and I, when Kai's bring up the Raptors, and I know you're like, hmm, could it go with them too? I think that's a fair take. But this is where I look at it and say the refs. They're going to – the refs the, are going to – I think the Celtics – I think the Celtics or the Raptors can beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. I am not – I am not impressed with the Bucks. No, that's fair. I, I th- and that's why I, I have the Clippers as my ultimate finals champion, because I don't think the Bucks are going to be able to hang with the Clippers either. But I just think that as much as we've seen it before, as much as the Celtics are going to or could hang with the Bucks or the Raptors, who does the NBA want to see there? The Celtics would be fine for them in the end. I don't think it's ideal, but they don't want to see the Raptors there because ratings. So I think it's going to end up being the Bucks. The refs will have a hand in it. I'm sorry. It's just I, I, I can't get that out of my head. With this, especially with the way they've been calling fouls for Giannis in this in the in the bubble, it just seems it seems like a foregone for conclusion for me at this point. Now, um, quick aside from the playoffs, the Grizzlies did not make it because they lost the playing game to the Blazers. That means that the Celtics now have three first round picks this year. They have the lottery pick with the Grizzlies, assuming that they don't leapfrog into the top six or the top four is what it ends up being or whatever or top whatever. But it's it's top six protected. Then you have the oh, what's the other? I know the Bucks pick is number thirty, and then their pick I think falls at it's somewhere in the twenties. I think it's twenty five. I think it's, yeah, I think it's twenty five. So you have those three picks. Um, we had talked about it before. Do we want the Celtics to have a pick this year? I, if they're going to move it, it is a good thing for them. But I just don't. The, uh, then again, that's going to be their best pick. But they have too many guys. How they many trade them? Exactly. Who are you investing in? You know, Shemi's contract is up. I'm not certain who else's contract is up See this year. But, but how many guys can you keep, and who are you trying to move? Because Romeo Langford's now got a wrist problem. I mean, I, I don't question that he has a problem, but he's dealing with injuries left and right. He's like legitimately made of glass. So he's got. He, you're dealing with that. How do you feel about Grant right now? Tremont Waters. Everybody was high on him before. Do you think he's going to be your backup point guard of the future? And then am I missing? Oh, and then Carson Edwards too, who seems like he, it's not working out so far. And then there are other guys that they can move as well. But Ty, you wanted them to have this pick, right? Yeah, because it could potentially be. You know, it is a lottery pick. It could be you know seven, eight, nine, which are still valuable picks. Top ten picks are, are important. I mean, next year would be ideal, but. I just don't know whether any of these picks are actually going to be guys that you could throw into the rotation and be useful because more than likely they're going to be trade picks. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be traded trade value. Um, probably package this and Gordon Hayward, you know, two first round picks and Gordon Hayward for Steven Adams and someone off their bench, you know, uh, so that would be you gotta, incredible. what's going to end up happening is you're going to use these picks to help shed a bad contract like Gordon Hayward and make a draft day trade. You're not using all these picks to make three rookies. Hayward's going to be tough to move. Yeah, they, they won't trade. Right. I, I just feel like they won't trade him. That's why if you trade Gordon Hayward, you got to trade it for a bad contract. Someone that signed, you know, like a Mike Conley. Like, not saying like Mike Conley, but a bad contract like that. Yeah, when Adams makes sense. Adams makes sense. Adams makes sense monetarily. I just don't know. They have that no, they one year left. They won't do it. Because you're going to run into what they did with Aaron Baines last year, right? He was opting in with the idea he was going to stay, and then you move him. And we've seen how, guys, how the NBA responds. The players respond when – a player says they're going to do one thing and the organization says, yes, that works. And then they go and do their own thing. If you do it with Aaron Baines one year and then you do it with another guy, especially a high profile guy like Hayward, the next, that's just it. not going to work well for Ainge in the future. I, I, the lot, the, the move on paper all makes sense, but that fact will be a problem. Hayward, hey, I'm saying in Hayward's example, he only has one year left on his contract at a ridiculous dollar amount. But he has to opt back in too. 
Right. So if you trade him to a, a contender in the Western Conference, you know, I think Best. that would make sense for OKC and the Celtics. If that was what I'm saying is you're not using those picks to make rookies. You're using those. No. You're not no. drafting. These are all these are all trade picks. I agree with you. They're all trade you might picks. you might take one guy out of those three first round picks. The best, right. the best case scenario is Gordon. They can somehow make Gordon, if he wants to stay, to you know restructure his contract. That that'd be opt out and, and restructure it because, I, like Ty said, I mean it's a bad it's a bad one year deal. But yeah, I I just don't think they'll move him because it like it's a bad look. It's a bad look if you trade him. The only way it, the only way it works out is if you say he if he says I want the money and then if, wherever I am it doesn't matter to me and then you move him then it's fine if yeah. he if he agreed to that but I don't know why he would necessarily want to agree to that he's they're a good team and if he can get that money and stay here for another year have a chance at a title because Celtics do with this group have a chance at a title every year as much as yeah. they're but they, still I think what they need to address is is their big big man situation I think they can do that with the picks and they have a crap load of guys that they can move so. Yeah, I don't know. they're gonna have to. They, it's definitely gonna be a lot of changing pieces. I think at the bottom slash mid part of the roster, it would be nice if it, if it's a team like I don't know the Bulls had somebody that they could trade with the Celtics so they get some picks and rebuild. Because now, I mean, is it full rebuild rebuild mode for them, Tyler? What's the what do you think the plan is now that your guy's gone? This is year six of the rebuild. Um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. It's year like 17. Let's be yeah, really it's year one with a new guy. And, dude, my whole problem with them is they took three or four months after hiring the guy from the Nuggets, Karnasovas. I can't. I think it's Arturis Karnasovas is his name. Sounds right. He was never number one executive in an organization. So the Bulls are banking on this guy who's never done it before to do it now in a big market, which is a problem in my mind. And so when the season was suspended, everyone knew the Bulls weren't going to go to the bubble. So, okay, your season's over. Fire your coach. You have Daniel Gafford on tw- on Twitch playing video games to you know 10,000 people saying the guy's a clown. The guy doesn't know what he's doing. I don't like him. You have like players who have openly said to the media they don't like this guy. So mm-hmm. what is the evaluation period we needed over the last three months to figure out that Jim Boylan sucks? He's a laughingstock. He's the biggest joke in the NBA. Twitter makes fun of him because he calls timeouts when his team has wide open layups and it takes away points from his team. Like he is awful at every level. He sucked the university of Utah. He's been a yes man as an NBA assistant his entire life. And that's why he was the bulls head coach for the last year and a half. And so with the pandemic going on, these assholes, the Reinsdorfs who own the white Sox and own the bulls are crying poor, even though they're billionaires They've made. They probably actually made money during the pandemic, but they're saying, "Oh, well, the reason we can't, you know, fire our head coach is because well, we're not bringing in money during the pandemic." You make you you have billions of dollars to your name, and you're acting like you run the Milwaukee Bucks, the OKC Thunder. This is it was so mind boggling, and they're saying, "Oh, we want to, you know, the season's not over. The season's not over. So that's why we haven't fired him yet." So, well, your season is over. The other mm-hmm. team seasons are still going on, but your season is over. So stop acting like it's still going on. Mm-hmm. So now they're last to the coaching hiring process, along with the, you know, the, the Rockets potentially who might be moving on from Mike D'Antoni, but um, we'll see. But the, the Bulls should have fired Boylan months ago. And for them to, to sit on their hands and act like, you know, they needed this evaluation time to, to figure out that he sucked was – ridiculous it was was stupid and they should have jumped on it soon because there's a guy out there if you're talking about player development who's a no-brainer for them and i would assume this is the guy you want in kenny atkinson but now you have the young team down in new orleans who's without gentry he's gone could atkinson get that job there i know ty lu is a guy whose name is out there and and, and jason kidd you think no he won't get that one he won't get that one you think it's gonna be lou well i'm saying uh, yeah it's gonna be lou or um kid yeah one of those okay. two will get that job, I think. I think Atkinson's are the right fit for the Bulls. Tied on him. I don't think they're going with any of them. What about Mark Jackson, huh? They're, no, they're going to go with the, with an assistant who hasn't done it, who is you know the number one uh, guy, like yeah. a Thibodeau who is you know waiting for that that one job, who's been an assistant for twenty years on Doc Rivers' staff, you know, someone like that. That's what the Bulls do. They have small market thinking. With big market budget and and a big market, it's fucking ridiculous. It's so mind-boggling. This team acts like they're the Orlando Magic. I just want to pull up the Michael Jordan clip of when they asked Michael Jordan about the rebuild. Yeah. And he said the Cubs have been rebuilding for 42 years. 
That's the, <laughs> that's the bowl since Jordan left. And yes, exactly. It looks uh-huh. in the air throws. They can never land a free agent. No one ever wants to go there. Stephen A. Smith is literally telling coaches, do not take the Bulls' job. It sucks. And he's right. Like The Bulls' front office handpicks yes-men because they want to control them. They don't pick the best coach. And they can't ever land a free agent, so don't ever expect, you know, high-profile guys to land in Chicago, which should be a place where guys it's, go play. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, because yeah, when, Thib- when Thibodeau was there, whatever whatever people think about him as a coach, at least there was a culture, right? They had a culture there. Yes, they, yeah. They don't have that now. It's a joke. They're like they're a joke. They have yeah. no plan. Mm-hmm. It was all because of the, the only reason that fell apart was because of the D-Row stuff. Thibodeau had it going, and he, they had good players yeah, around obviously. him. Yeah, something to do about it. it, was, it was no, day. not Tibbs. I'm just saying. There's some people yeah. that, that say like, like um, Tibbs getting hired for the Knicks job is a bad hire. Yeah, but, a lot of people don't like Tibbs. Um, it seems like because he's because he's a hard ass. But I'm saying when he was on the Bulls, those guys he had, they were all like Jimmy Butler, all them dudes. Those are those are some you know, dogs. There were some dogs. They like that stuff. But nowadays, mm-hmm. you don't understand. You, you're coaching these young kids that you're drafting. They're all soft. Most of these dudes are yeah. soft. Mm-hmm. They don't want to play this hard. The only young dudes in that Bulls team was really D Rose and Jimmy Butler. Everyone else was older. It was Carlos Boozer. It was Noah. Luol Deng. It was Keith Bogans in the starting lineup. It was oh, Kyle. Yeah. Scalabrini was deep on that bench. Like that team was vets, and they mm-hmm. played with a hard ass coach who really ran that team to the ground. But you don't see that in the NBA now. They cater to these young stars, and they play the way those young stars want to play. They. they they don't want to play defense. It's fine now. Thibodeau doesn't allow that shit to happen. Like it's I gonna love, be yo, weird. Yo, to be real with you, I I honestly would pick the Blazers to beat the Lakers if I knew they could actually play defense. Because I love mm. watching them play, but but God, I, I swear to God, they don't even they don't even try defensively. Did you LeBron, watch them yesterday? They were yeah, dog shit on D. If LeBron oh. or Anthony Davis really wants to, they could score sixty against them like easy because they don't play any defense. Grayson no. Allen was driving the lane and oh, bodying Hassan Whiteside. It was brutal. Grayson Allen, like, come on. This guy sucks. Yeah. He's so bad. Yeah, that should never happen. I mean, John, John Morant was doing whatever he wanted. And John mm-hmm. Morant's good, but Jesus. I mean, the dude was, they were giving him, like, wide open jump shot. I mean, he's in, I don't care if he can't shoot a high clip. Uh, he's an NBA player. I'm pretty he sure he can hit a practice shot. Right. So, Ty. You you say it's going to be an assistant coach, no name from somewhere. Who do you want to see though? Or do you not know yet? I mean, I would love them to get Brad Stevens. He's my ideal coaching candidate. At, you know, he just got extended. Polls, but it, it's fantasy land, you know, imagination land right there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't want Alvin Gentry because he's almost seventy years old, and I didn't like the way he staggered Zion's minutes. I don't want Mike D'Antoni. I, I don't know <laughs> who I want. I don't because give me the guy. I don't Bill know Jackson. Atkinson. <laughs> you don't want Kenny Atkinson? I just don't know why he would be a, like the great fit, like you think he is for the Bulls. Did you see what he did with the Nets? Where he like even before the Kyrie KD stuff, where he like developed guys who are scrubs. Like look at Joe Harris. I mean, I I've said it a lot, but Matt, you've watched him enough to now know. Yeah, Joe him, Harris right? is pretty good. Yeah, Joe yeah. Harris can always play, and he could always be in. No, the- not like that. The Joe like Harris it. I watched play against the Celtics a couple of nights ago was not the Joe Harris that from uh, yeah, and I that mean, was the, in a game no, that got skunked. No, I guess the Celtics when Joe Harris played um, the, the Clippers, the, the Blazers. The, no, the Blazers. Sorry, yeah, that last yeah. game, dude, he was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some, there's some like he he never got enough out of Jared Allen in my opinion because I think Jared Allen has a lot more to offer, but I think part of the problem is he's just so Jared Allen's kind of bum. He's 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 been he's sort, of, I, he's sort of a scrub. He's sort of soft. That's his that's his biggest problem. I take a but, shot in the dark. I what what about like Penny Hardaway from Memphis? No, nah, I wouldn't do that. Plumber that's like an, that's an unknown. Immediately would get the respect of all the all the players in the Bulls locker room. Uh-huh. He chilled it in the AU circuit. He's been doing. All, I mean, he's killing it. Top you know ten recruiting class every year in Memphis. It just depends what you want, Ty. Do you want to? I mean, if. I think yeah, it's a good pick if you want him to get free agents and all that. But like, what Friar's point is, Kenny, you have a young team; he can develop guys uh, clearly. Mm-hmm. So it Definitely depends, can. I guess, what you what you want your franchise, what move you want to go in. Like, but why didn't want, why didn't KD want him? 
Because KD's weird as shit. Because I think Kenny Atkinson can be a little tough at times. And Correct. You think, you think Ky- Kyrie and KD, especially Kyrie, want to deal with but that? Don't, but don't you think it's weird that they really want Greg Popovich, though? Yeah. But you know what? That's the thing. And that, I get so frustrated with it. And this is not just an NBA thing. I think this is like an all-across wait, wait, sports thing. Greg Popovich? The, the, the next. They're going to pursue him. But keep, yeah, Greg Popovich ain't that. the easiest guy to play for? No. No. I mean, but he's proven that. That's the problem. He's proven. Everybody wants a guy who's proven, who's proven. done it, and you're all this right, stuff. You're right. You're right. You're right. If you, if you, it's, it's namesake. I, I want a guy who's got a ring. I got. A, I want a guy who's won before, and that makes him, you know, the, the the best ever. Well, there's a lot of guys who've been handed shit and somehow turned it into something that you can at least watch. But I, I get I get annoyed with that stuff. It's not just a basketball thing, but it, it just seems really prevalent there right now. Pop, okay. Pop's, Pop's the second best coach of all time. Second best coach of all time Ooh, in NBA, co- NBA, 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 NBA. So, so you put Phil I generalize it. Phil and then Pop. Phil, Phil, after watching the documentaries, Phil Jackson's the best coach of all time. It's not, and I, I always used to say, well, he's only got that many rings because he had, you know, Jordan and Kobe and Shaq. It, right. dude, the, what no. that guy did to keep that going is incredible. Yes, absolutely, it's incredible. I tend to go – I think Phil, after seeing that, I, I agree because I think Red Arbuck's probably the best basketball executive or basketball – like NBA basketball yeah, guy of all time. Every, yeah, but he did everything. He did everything. So, But he still – when you talk about greatest coaches of all time, you still think of him as one of the, the I, people I would, too. I would think of uh, – yeah, I guess you're right. I, don't I know, would I say Phil. Because uh, uh, Pat Riley's up there for greatest basketball men of all time too with yes, coaching and like as an executive. Yeah. So it's probably him and Red for that conversation. And then I could see – Popovich being maybe being the two. I don't know. It's just I have a tough time with Red being in there too. Because I, I was just thinking of purely coach. I think what Red did was beyond just coaching. He did just yeah. That's fair. He did do. He did go. He, up did, he, that. he literally did it all. <laughs> he also did a lot of that in like an eighteen league. I mean, people. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go there, Fryer. But you know, he reminds. He, he's like a Belichick. What? Well, you know, because that's what Bill does. He does it. Hey, GM, I'm, I'm all back was a better GM than Belichick. But when you think of why Bill Belichick is as good as he is, it's because he does just mm-hmm. more than just coaching, right? It's personnel, yes. all that kind of stuff. That's true, too. All right. Anything else before we get going, guys? You got anything? Uh, Blazers are going to take down LA. Blazers are going to take down LA. Okay. Yep. Be something. If they Ty, play you got anything? One second of defense. I almost picked the Nuggets to win the Western Conference, by the way. Ooh, I, I like them. that. The Nuggets are so fun to watch. If they can just get healthy, get everyone like on the same page. Yeah, that's I think that's gonna be that down. Guys miss games and shit. Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, whatever. If they can just get healthy, Bull Bulls doing great. Uh, Jokic Bull is looking like a seven foot one point guard out there. So you're going, you're going to yeah. Porter. Michael Porter Jr. is incredible. He can score thirty a game any night. Yeah, I'll tell you right <laughs> they now, have, the, they have right, six right. guys with thirty. Before we go, give me in the first round East. Well, we'll just well because now yeah, we'll go east and west because the eastern conference kind of boring. The first, what's the number one matchup you will watch in the first in round? the western either conference? conference. Eastern uh, conference? Either conference. Either. The western either conference one. is uh, you have to go Lakers Blazers. Mm-hmm. I I think it might be a four a Lakers. Know. Everyone's been giving the Blazers way too much credit in this. I I'm not giving them, dude. They're getting destroyed by awful teams. Like no, but I'm saying that's destroyed. is that no. your. Is that your series to watch? I'm saying, what's your series to watch? Like, what do you, which one do you think is going to be? I think, I think an entertaining one is going to be Clippers Dallas. I think that's going to be a really good series. Yep. Because the, because the Mavericks can score the absolute piss out of that ball. They, they don't play any defense, but my God, that guy, Lucas, mm-hmm. I think Lucas right now, like, he's got to be top three best players to watch in the NBA. Like, he's a magician. He's incredible. <laughs> I kind of want to go with OKC Houston, especially with Russ out ah, for the first couple right. games. You know, you know why I can't pick it though? Because I hate James Harden. That's why. I <laughs> I hate watching him. I love watching him lose. Like it's I I've said it on Twitter. I, I get like a joy out of it that I probably shouldn't. Like it's it's probably a disease. But I love watching him lose. Like when he okay. loses, I'm happy, Ty. So I'm then like let, really let me ref- happy, rephrase like, Matt's it's question. It's like when you do well on two K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me rephrase this question for you then, Matt. I, if I can only watch one Western Conference series, as much as I want to see Damian Lillard go off, I do think the Lakers are going to win that because the defense is such yes, a huge are. issue for the Blazers. No, Lakers, so, Lakers I, 
I'm going to pick, if I could only watch one and no others, I'm picking the Thunder Rockets. What are you guys picking? Well, when you phrase it like that. Yeah, it's tough. It makes it tougher. It's tough. It's I honestly, I still think I might go Clippers Dallas. I really love watching both. I guess I'm just talking about like how, to your question, you're saying what's going to be the best series. I agree with yeah, you. But for, but for me, watchability. The clip. I love the way the Clippers play, and I love the way Dallas plays. I think they. I mean, I, minus the defense, Dallas plays zero to no defense. But I mean, you want to talk about just entertaining basketball? It's those two teams. Okay. What about you, Ty? Uh, Western Conference. I think it would also go Rockets Thunder. That's going to yeah. be 120, one, you know, one twenty-five, one twenty games every night. Possible mm-hmm. over. I mean, you can get into the one fifties with those teams. It's it's unbelievable. Eastern Conference sleeper series: Pacers Heat. Yes, but Ty. Butler and Warren hate each other. Warren's not out like I thought he was going to be. He's so he's, play he's playing. Okay. He is playing through it. So he's playing through plantar fasciitis. Apparently he's had it this whole time. So during this whole uh, scoring scoring spree he's had, he's actually had this. So it's okay. been something he's been dealing is, with. It wasn't a new injury, which kind of but Is Sabonis dead? What's that? Is Sabonis playing or is he out? He's still training. I think he's trying to. I don't. I wouldn't expect it at all. But I think he's still all trying right. to make it. If Ty Warren is playing, I agree with you, Ty. That is going to be a fun series to watch. That should be the most entertaining series in the Eastern Conference because the other one should be pretty cut and dry. Because yeah. Indi- Indiana plays D. That's why I like watching them. They play D. Yeah. All right. So, guys, are we gonna do? Um, are we gonna have? Uh, are we gonna do it after every game, or do you guys want to do it after every two games uh, for the series and kind of see where things go, so we can dig in more? What do yeah, you think? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me. What do you decide? You're the might boss. Be sweep. So. <laughs> so, so what It'll do you think? That we have two opportunities to do it. I don't know. I'm, I'm fine with whatever you guys want to do. Okay. After every game, because we were doing it in the regular season, so why not the playoffs? Yeah. Okay. So we'll do that. All right. So we will talk to you all again. The audio version will definitely be up on Tuesday. We'll talk to you all then. What it do, baby? Yeah, you already know. I'm just trying to be all right with it. Yeah. I'm just trying to be all right with it. Yeah. I'm just trying to see the light in it. I think we should take a ride with it. Yeah. I'm just trying to spend the night with it. Yeah. I just want to be all right with it. I'm just trying to see the light in it. I think we should take a ride with it. Hey, I got no resolutions. I'm just hoping for some. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.